and welcome to the weekly show of Classroom Without Walls. My name is I. I'm the host of this weekly show. And join me live is the one and only John Ferrara from Ningbo, who is the CEO of Ningbo. And today we are going to discuss what it takes to become an entrepreneur and to build a successful business. And we are live on Twitter, on Facebook, on Periscope, on LinkedIn. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much. We're broadcasting everywhere. I know. <laughs> so thank you so much. We already have oh, more than a dozen people joining us live right now. You guys are so on time. And uh, so let us know where you are joining us from, social media-wise and geographically speaking. And before I introduce our guest of honor, I just want to take one minute, just one minute out of your precious time. To, to share a personal launch that I just did this week. This week is a big, big, big week for me. So I just launched, and many of you have been following me on social media for quite some time. And I resigned from my job and my dream job now is to build my own school. So the first program is actually happening. It's a 10 day immersion program in Singapore to cultivate uh, students, young professionals, entrepreneurship. So online learning and to earn Adobe certification and entrepreneurship and small business certification, access to LinkedIn learning and in-person enrichment and working with startup companies, visiting Microsoft, Adobe, HubSpot and Talkworker. So it is going to be a life changing event i promise you otherwise tuition return so i'm going to enter the link to my website in the comment section in a few minutes and if you guys happen to know anyone who is interested in this program please let me know i give away 200 dollars uh, as a referral fee so every student signed up through you you will earn 200 dollars. i want to make this uh, a little bit more not so transactional so i really value your time to help me out on this so thank you so much and uh, for giving me this one minute to do my personal pitch yeah so today as i mentioned we are going to discuss how to become an entrepreneur and what it takes to become an entrepreneur and to start a a profitable business. And I have the perfect guest of honor to join us. And John is the CEO of Ningbo and a social CRI service for small business. And John is a pioneer uh, in uh, consumer relationship management industry. And he actually co-founded Goldmine about quite a few uh, years ago. And uh, he started that company with only 5,000 US dollars and eventually sold the company for 125 million US dollars. And uh, so I can't wait to learn more about that. And John is also an Adobe insider. I'm a huge fan of John, what he does, an amazing human being overall. So I'm really excited about today's interview and I can't wait to learn more about you and from you. And I hope everyone join us live will be inspired by your journey and wisdom to become successful entrepreneurs and to bring their business to a new level. So thank you so much for joining us live and welcome to the show, John. Thank you. I, you know, you are infectious. I love your energy. And I, and I think I, you embody uh, the spirit and soul of entrepreneurship that just what you've done by coming up with a dream, you, you basically, you were a teacher, you were doing a certain thing, you were, it was safe. And you decided that you wanted to do something bigger, different. You had a vision and you, uh, jumped off the cliff and you and you basically built the airplane on the way down. And that really is the definition of entrepreneurship. As somebody who has a vision, who's moved to change what they're doing and and the and the um and the courage to uh, to basically move away from what they're doing and go try to do it. So Aww. congratulations. Thank you so much. That means so much to me. I need to do a happy dance. It is a crazy <laughs> journey. One day I'm like, this is, this is amazing. Another, I was like, what did I do to myself? You know, now I have to think about so many questions that I don't even need to think about when I was a, a traditional, you know, college professor. So I'm sure you're going to touch upon different aspects of entrepreneurship. So, but thank you. Yeah. Do you want to add anything to my very brief uh, introduction? 
No, I do want to add this though. I, I think that there's a lot of people out there listening who, who have dreams. Hopefully everybody listening has dreams. And I think the difference between dreamers and doers are, are people who are willing to take their prayers, their, their passion, their dreams, and put them out to the universe. Um, and then to, uh, and what I mean by that is sharing that, and that intent, that desire, uh, and then to be present and aware enough to listen, to hear the, the universe knock, and then brave enough to uh, open the door and walk through it when that opportunity arises. Because the universe will answer your prayers. They will oh. knock on your door. But the difference between the dreamers and doers are the ones that uh, are present enough to hear the universe and brave enough to walk through the door and, and to make life happen for their dreams. Oh, thank you. I, I so agree. I love the difference you made here. And, uh, and before I get started, I want to give a quick shout out. We already have so many people join us. So Jesse and uh, Lucille and uh, Lori, Vicky and Mario and, uh, and also quite a few people, uh, Dorothy, Ella, uh, Janet, Jerry, I couldn't mention everyone's name, but thank you so much for being with here today. Everyone, if you have any, we are all in for a treat because John is truly a remarkable person. So if you have any question uh, related to becoming an entrepreneur, you know, scaling your business or starting a business, validating your idea, please feel free to, to enter your your comment in the comment section. My dear friend, Peter, he's not here today, but I have Taylor from Nemo to monitor people's comments and we are going to answer as many questions as possible. You, you know, I, for sure, questions are the best thing because it, uh, we all learn from people's questions. And so I, I double encourage you all to ask questions throughout. I, yeah, and maybe we can even do this because I love live streaming because we can always engage the live audience. So if you are up to this, maybe we can invite someone from the live audience to pitch their ideas. I mean, you have run quite a few successful businesses and maybe you can give them some feedback in terms of market validation or some ideas. So if anyone is interested in this idea, you know, drop your name in the comment section. What do you think, John? I'm, I'm open to engaging. I think that we're on this planet to grow our souls by helping other people grow theirs. So it's always a good day when you can engage somebody and learn about their dreams and find a way to blow wind in their sails. You're just so amazing. Yeah. So let's get started with our interview. As I mentioned earlier, you started your very first business with only 5,000 US dollars yeah. as your capital. That is crazy. And eventually you sold this business for 125 million US dollars. And share this story with us. How did you feel about starting a business with only $5,000? Was it scary for you to make that decision? I didn't know any better. <laughs> um, I, I, had a, I had a dream, I had a vision. And, uh, and, and really it came from my own problem. So I was in sales and I was trying to engage prospects at, at scale not just by myself, but with my team in my corporate uh, and district office. And, uh, and I struggled with building relationships at scale and engaging with them to turn those connections into conversations and relationships into business outcomes. And, they, and this was back in 1987, 88, and there was no outlook, there was no mm -hmm. Salesforce, there was no market automation, there was no tools for managing contacts. And so, I was looking for a tool that integrated email, contact, and calendar with some sales on market automation. I couldn't find it. So I quit my job at 29 years old and uh, got together with a college friend of mine. And we basically wow. created Goldmine. I designed the original screens and the concepts, and he wrote the code. And there we were in an apartment in Canoga Park with basically Outlook and Salesforce combined before either existed. How do you sell that? How do you bring mm -hmm. it to market? And so what, uh, what I decided was that the easiest way to access customers at scale is to identify their trusted advisor, their influencer. And the trusted advisor and influencer of small businesses at the time was their technology reseller, the person that sold them the network, the Nobel reseller. And I cold called them and I got them to use Goldmine because people sell what they know and they know what they use. They started using it and reselling it. And ultimately that's how we got to our first $100,000 a, a wow. month in revenue. Uh, 
but then they started asking for leads and how do you give people leads if you don't know how to advertise? And so what I did is I, I figured out where do people make buying decisions from? They, they read technology publications and business publications. So I started contacting those press people and saying to them, how can I help you write more stories? And, uh, and they said, tell us stories about how people are using technology to grow. So I started telling stories about how people are using technology to grow. And then those press people started writing articles about it. And in the end, we got more uh, press and more awards than all the other products in their category combined. And it was basically that influencer marketing and guerrilla mm -hmm. PR that got us to say the first maybe million dollars a month in revenue. Wow. But then Microsoft came in and they ate Novell. They basically came out with NT server, SQL server and exchange server. And we saw the opportunity to partner with Microsoft and by building an integration with Microsoft's key products, um, we were able to solve our customers need to scale, but also Microsoft's need to sell their first party solutions, NT server, SQL server and exchange server. And that's how we scaled about $100 million in revenue. And that's when we sold the company 10 years later. Wow. That is such an incredible journey, I'm sure. So at which point did you guys start to kind of break even, generating more profit? How many years did it take? It was the, the first few years were really hard. Mm -hmm. uh, there were moments when I would I'd cry myself to sleep. I. I mean, mm -hmm. it, 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 nobody can really show you how hard it will be to be an entrepreneur. It's, it's a lonely world. And, and in, in many cases, um, it, um, there are times when I wanted to give up, honestly. Mm -hmm. And uh, even as we started to scale, um, mm -hmm. but basically it started small, little tiny bits. And, you know, we, maybe we were making enough to sort of pay our rent and, 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 and be able to, maybe hire our first employee and uh, little by little, it started to scale. I'd say within the first like year, we were kind of breaking even doing okay. But then okay. after the second year, we really started to scale. And uh, wow. after the third year, when we won PC Magazine Editor's Choice, then we basically had to buy a new phone system because the phones were just ringing off the hook and it, it really started to just accelerate. and. I think it was when the world shifted from DOS to Windows that things really started to explode. Um, when technology is shifting, opportunity arises. Oh, and so if true. you think about back then, it was it was uh, it was client server computing, notebooks, networks, and uh, and Windows. Today, it's social, mobile, uh, and big data, and AI. And mm -hmm. so. Uh, the transition from on-prem to the cloud has created a huge opportunity for people that want to take advantage that can take advantage of that, and um, and I think that uh, and I've seen those opportunities and making those investments early in building the first networkable uh, business mm -hmm. application, building the first uh, CRM, uh, building the first team relationship manager, uh, building the first Windows program, building uh, a network version that synchronizes with other networks and notebooks. Because if you think about it, salespeople are distributed between district offices in different cities, and then they're also traveling with notebooks and being able to synchronize the data between them because there was no cloud back then. We actually mm -hmm. did it with modems. Uh, all <laughs> of these things were transformational. Uh, so having a good technology lead uh, being able to identify the influence of our prospect and, and using guerrilla PR and influencer marketing, I think we're all critical to our success. But I think the biggest thing was aligning ourselves with strategic partners at the mm -hmm. right time in the right place. And Microsoft is humongous. They've got billions of customers and hundreds of thousands of resellers. And when we became the driver of helping them sell their crown jewels, that's really what started to accelerate us. And interestingly enough, history is repeating itself. As Nimble has evolved into the simple serum for Office 365, Microsoft today is our global reseller. They're walking us into their top distributors and, wow. uh, and paying their distributors for us to sign up their, their resellers. And, uh, and we are basically the thing that helps make Office 365 sticky and, uh, and helps customers adopt uh, Power BI, Azure, and Dynamics. And so it's interesting how Novell back in the day is a parallel to G Suite today, where they were the beginners, but then 
NT mm -hmm. Server and SQL Server and Exchange Server ate Novell. And today, Office 365 has kind of eaten G Suite in regards to the broader marketplace. And uh, and and see, being able to see the shift of those market opportunities, I think is important for any op entrepreneur mm -hmm. is they, they really need to understand who are the strategic players and uh, get, like, for instance, like there used to be all this page maker, right? And now it's, uh, you know, now we use different tools. So the market shifts and you need to know when to shift with it. Yeah, I love oh, so many great points. And uh, like I actually did uh, some research on you, on the companies that you have built. So uh, my, my observation is that uh, influencer marketing seems to play a very important role in your overall business success and development. So can you share more with us uh, in terms of how you guys have leveraged influencer marketing to grow even after which we are going to discuss later, you took kind of an eight year sabbatical, a break. And even after you came back to a technology industry, everything's changing so, so fast. And you restarted again by leveraging influencer marketing and everything. So share with us the power of influencer marketing and how you have leveraged this. So maybe everyone in the live audience, we can learn something to grow and to scale a little bit. Yeah. You bet. And, and, and this this applies not just to scaling a business, but also scaling your personal brand because mm -hmm. your brand and your network are your net worth. And, and you want to be able to build a, a community around yourself like a sustainable garden. So you need to think of yourself like a garden and you want to, you want to basically plant things in your garden that attracts other things in order for you to create a self-sustaining garden. As an example, my wife is a gardener, a landscape designer, and she plants milk thistle in order to attract monarch butterfly uh, caterpillars in order for them to eat the aphids so she doesn't have to spray. And so she's constantly planting different things in the garden to attract mm. different things so she doesn't have to water as much or spray pesticides or whatever. And if you think about yourself or your business, you want to be able to attract to your constituency, the different people that you need in order to achieve your dreams. And the best way to achieve your dreams is by helping other people achieve their dreams. And so for me, storytelling is the best way to, um, to, to basically uh, get your word out, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that people should talk about themselves or their products. Nobody cares. You should talk about how you can help other people uh, be better, smarter, faster. Because people don't buy great products; they buy better versions of themselves. And so, what, what, what we do, uh, what we did at Goldmine, and what we do at Nimble is we identify the key influencer of our core prospect in around the areas of promise our products and services, and we build relationships to turn them into friends, family, and storytellers mm -hmm. for us. Because it's more powerful when other people talk about you than when you talk about you. And so with Nimble, I was out of the technology marketplace for 10 years. Nobody even knew who John Ferraro was or even remembered Goldmine. And I basically uh, got back in the business because I started to use social media in 2006, 7, and 8. And I saw it was going to change the way we work, we work, play, buy, and sell. I was looking for a way to uh, tie social relationships and engagements to contact records. And basically I looked for a good contact manager and at that it was basically Gmail and G Suite was email, contact and calendar in the cloud. But the email and the calendar weren't tied to the contact, neither were the social conversations. So your contact manager was broken and it really needed to be more social. And then I started looking at CRM and saw it wasn't about relationships, it was about really more about reporting and command and control. And so I saw an opportunity to reimagine what I, founded and pioneered, which was contact management and CRM. And I did that with Nimble. But to get the word out, what I did is I, I went and started to swim in the social river. And I identified people and content that resonated with me. And uh, in and around the areas of promise my products and services. So uh, content and thought leaders in social sales and marketing, startups, entrepreneurship. And I would basically share the content, hashtag it in the category and attribute the person's name. And that would basically attract uh, people looking to be better, smarter, faster at social sales and marketing. It would attract the uh, audience of the influencer and it would attract the influencer themselves who would then basically, I would engage them in a conversation and I wouldn't get on a go to meeting or whatever and basically mm -hmm. go, uh, hey, I, um, uh, would you like to talk about Nimble? Uh, uh, you know, so 
No, I wouldn't basically talk about myself or my products. I'd get on the phone with them and I'd ask them questions and I'd learn about who they are and, and what they're about and what they're trying to do. And then I'd try to add value by, by suggesting an introduction or maybe giving some advice. And ultimately, after you know, you let somebody talk for 30 minutes, they'll love you because people are desperate to be seen, heard, wanted, and and, and loved. And um, and also if you're if you're adding value to another human being, the natural thing that they're gonna do is they're gonna go, Well, well, John, what can I do for you? Amen. And and ultimately, all I do is I ask them to uh, to use Nimble and give me advice on how we can make it better. And then they turn into user and evangelists and storytellers for us. So I'd have to say that probably the top 10,000 thought leaders in social sales and marketing around the world uh, are the people that built the Nimble brand. It's not me, it's them. Wow. And, and I think that they did it because, um, you know, the product's nice, it's, it's a good product, but I think that the, our purpose of the product resonates with them. Mm. And the purpose of the product gets down to my philosophy of life is that we're here to grow our souls by helping other people grow theirs. And ultimately that I think should be the purpose of every business person, every salesperson, is not mm -hmm. to basically bag and tag people and make commission? It's how can I help this person in front of me grow today? Even if it means recommending a competitor's product. And so we have used influencer marketing and guerrilla PR to build the Nimble brand. We, we, we have not spent a dime on marketing, uh, oh my God. We, we, we have no salespeople. And all we do is we wow. tell stories and other people tell their stories and we generate uh, 50,000 or so uniques per month and they self convert themselves. So we're sort of a touchless model as far as our, our company. But now we're basically evolving into a channel company where we've now signed up thousands of Microsoft resellers. We become the simple serum for our office. Mm -hmm. Microsoft is pushing us globally because they don't have a solution in the SMB market. They have Dynamics, which is great for larger companies, but the bulk of Microsoft customers are individuals and teams of two to 25, which they don't have a solution. So they've effectively anointed us as a simple serum for Office 365 because we're a gateway to Power BI, Azure, and Dynamics, which are the crown jewels of Microsoft that they need to sell, but they give those things to the resellers. They don't even use them. And so their resellers need something simple to get started with and uh, something to sell on top of office that helps become a gateway to those other products. So uh -huh. the answer to your question, long-winded, is influencer marketing continues to play a key role in our uh, brand building and, and storytelling. Wow, that is amazing. Everyone, let me know in the comment section what is your biggest takeaway from everything John mentioned so far. My biggest takeaway is really when you are having a conversation, don't always be so obsessed with your personal agenda. Give the other person a chance to talk and figure out ways that you can serve this person. And this person, you know, human nature will ask you to support you. I just love that. And it's, it's so brilliant, so simple. And you definitely walk the talk. This is our second conversation. I think you spend more time listening to me, blah, 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 than talking. So thank you. Yeah, this is great. Yeah. So I'm going to, we have so many questions coming so definitely keep the questions coming and we are going to answer some questions now are you okay joe yeah okay and uh, thank you so much taylor from ningbo to monitor all those uh questions from different social media channels and uh so this is the first one and uh our salon thank you for joining us and asked when you are uh, pretty much how did you get your very first client can you see the question john on the screen you could just read them to me i i um so my first client of goldmine uh was gotten uh so i didn't figure out the influencer marketing thing at first what i did was i uh there were used to be like local computer stores in the valley in the san Fernando valley and i went to one of the local computer stores uh, and I basically uh, built a relationship with the owner and then got the salespeople to use Goldmine and then they started recommending and reselling it. And I got that idea because back at my previous company before I founded Goldmine, I was charged with building a reseller channel for that technology company. And this guy named Mark Cuban was one of my first resellers. Mark Cuban, mm -hmm. the guy who owns the Mavericks, used to be a technology reseller in Dallas 
with a microwave store. And uh, so I knew that technology resellers were a great way to, to, in, to engage customers. And I got my first customer by building a relationship with my first reseller. And then I figured out that I could do that at scale. And then I started to contact them uh, digitally on the phone and at trade shows and basically build that reseller channel. With Nimble, um, I think Nimble was just a vision in my head when I first started engaging influencers. And what I did was I engaged the influencer with my vision and the influencer basically um, would give me feedback on the idea and that by involving them in the creation of the idea, it became their baby and they Aww. became part of the family and they had an investment in beta testing it. And that was, so my first customers were really the thought leaders and influencers in social sales and marketing. Wow, I love this. This is like so powerful because they are part of the story. They are part of the product, right? Yes. Uh, so here's another question. And by the way, my, my friend, Peter is here. You are supposed to play soccer, so, but thank you. You are so nice. Yeah. So here's another question from Mario. Thank you for joining us. So his question is how to find a co-founder. So he's a solopreneur, which is where I am now. So actually one of my questions is asking you, how can we scale our business? How can we grow? How can we build a team? And if you can share some tips with us in terms of, you know, finding our first hire or like how to find a co-founder, someone, you know, we trust, we can collaborate mm -hmm. with. So share that kind of struggle or decision-making some tips with us. You bet. I, I think that, uh, team and culture is critical to uh, business success. So there's a few recommendations I have for you as far as entrepreneurship. I think that you should find a co-founder because it, life is hard and it's mm -hmm. easier if you have somebody strong next to you, ideally somebody that is maybe even your opposite, somebody who is strong where you're weak and you're strong where they're weak, right? And so, um, uh, I am I am here today and blessed because of uh, this woman right here. Mm -hmm. So th this is my wife Arlene and two of my babies. I don't know if you can see that picture really well, but uh, the best choice I made in my life is to marry a strong, intelligent, independent woman who is my uh, partner. Uh, in creating the, the, the life that I lead today, the family that we're growing together. And so my number one advice is if you are going to do entrepreneurship, strongly consider having a co-founder. Mm -hmm. uh, the next thing is as you hire people, um, you know, you don't need to hire Stanford graduates in order to be successful in business. Uh, I believe that, um, that you don't even need to hire technology and business graduates, that liberal arts majors are probably some of the best hires that you can do. And, uh, and you don't need to worry about what school they went to. You wanna hire good human beings because you could teach people business and technology, but you can't teach people heart and soul and the ability to read, write and communicate. And that's why I love liberal arts majors is that they know how to research, they know how to write, they know how to communicate. And I think the best skills in life are people that can listen and communicate and, um, and research. And in addition, liberal arts majors are probably some of the most affordable people out there in the marketplace because uh, 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 technology and, uh, and business degrees, they command a much higher salary. And, um, and then you bring them in and you transform them, you grow them because that's your job is to grow other people. And when you grow people within your organization and uh, transform them from making, you know, people at the Apple store and Best Buy, you'd be surprised at what they make. They make like $25,000 a year. I mean, this, you barely survive on that. And you basically go and hire these people. And that's another secret I do. I am constantly hiring. Like when I engage with people at Best Buy, at, uh, uh, Apple store at, you know, wherever I, wherever I am, even at a coffee shop or a burger shop, if I find somebody that resonates with me and I can feel people, I really believe in my sixth sense where I can feel people's 
inner soul, if you will. I hope that's not wow. too weird for you. But but I can see when somebody's a good human being, and I'll I'll reach out and I'll say, hey, you should you should sign up and you know go check out this thing. And those people already know customer service. And a lot of business success is creating an amazing customer journey for your, for your customers. And so customer experience is critical. And if you hire people with great hearts and souls that know how to communicate effectively and you, um, and you empower them to make decisions in favor of the customer through that journey and you grow those people where they're now making 50,000, 60,000, $70,000 a year and you've transformed their lives you build a culture that's unstoppable. And that's I some of my it. secrets to entrepreneurial success and building a team. Wow, I love this. What a great answer. Yeah, so actually, uh, Arsalan just asked another question, which you can already answer. He was asking you to elaborate on certain personalities and traits. I think you just answered that question. And so here's uh, a question from Vicky. So she pretty much asked, how did you get over the hump, you know, of getting started from year one to year two? And you mentioned there were times that you wanted to quit. And like, like to me right now, I'm just launching this every day. I ask myself, what did I do to myself? You know, so how did you get over that, John? Share with us. Well, I, um, people, overestimate what they can do in a year or two. They underestimate what they can do in 10. And um, few people have dreams, even fewer of them build plans and even fewer uh, make it their passion on a daily basis and continue to put one foot in front of the other. And that's it. That's my secret to success is the three P's, passion, plan, and purpose. Uh, figure out what your passion is, build a plan to achieve it, make your purpose on a daily basis, put your plan on your mirror in your bathroom, on your refrigerator. And every morning you get up and brush your teeth, you look at that and say, what am I doing today to get one step further? And the secret is to just keep on keeping on. Now, you may set a goal to climb Mount Everest and you may not climb Mount Everest, but the journey that happens, magic will happen in that journey. And you'll get from where you are to the place that you need to be. And so uh, my words of encouragement is uh, the reason I left corporate America and started my first business at 29 is I didn't wanna say shoulda, coulda, woulda. Uh, I worked for a large corporation uh, in, um, in my job previous to my sales job. It was at Hughes, uh, Hughes Space and Com. And there was an old guy there that used to tell me, oh, John, I shoulda, coulda, woulda. I said, shoulda, coulda, woulda, what? He said, well, uh, I have a friend of mine that left and started TOW. Another friend left and started Litton. And I, I could have done that. And I said, well, you should. Just go do it. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I figured I could always go get a job in technology and sales, but I can't always take the opportunity to go follow my dreams. And so... Uh, if you're an entrepreneur today and you have a, a, a passion, build a plan to achieve it, make your purpose on a daily basis, keep putting one foot in front of the other and don't give up because many people give up like just before success unfolds. That's so true. So I have a follow up question on this. So you have a very like a long journey on this entrepreneurship uh, business. And I wonder, you know, reflecting on your journey, what would you have done differently? Like any, like uh, your, your personal favorite mistakes, you know, yeah. or like, or anything that really, yeah, if you can share with us. Well, I, I think that in order to be successful as an entrepreneur, it takes everything that you have. And sometimes you have to give up. And I gave up relationships with my friends. In some ways, I gave up relationships with my family. Uh, I gave everything I had to doing that thing. And in some respects, I missed out on parts of that, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the reasons I sold Goldmine is, is I uh, had my first baby. I was really missing out on everything. I mean, I, 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 would, I would get up in the morning, drive two hours to work and two hours back. And, and, and I just, I missed all the nuances of, of life around me. And, um, and I said that there's, there's more important things to life. And so I sold it when I was 29, I retired for 10 years and I raised three babies. And so, 
I, uh, I was a present father and husband for the best years of my children's lives. I would get them up in the morning. I would feed them. I'd change their diapers. I'd, I'd drive them to school. I'd read books in the classroom. I was a class photographer. And, um, and I, I, I saw all the nuances and the moments of, of their lives. And, and that is so precious um, because, because many people wait to sort of live life when they retired. And by that time, life's passed you by. And so my encouragement to any human being listening today is to be present with your family and your friends and the people around you. Don't give up your life for money. Life isn't about money. It's about making memories out of moments. And so, mm -hmm. um, so, so my first entrepreneurial gig, I was basically all business and in the trench. Um, but Spending 10 years as a present father and husband, I learned more about my heart and my soul and relationships um, that helped me to be different in my next 10 years of entrepreneurship when I started Nimble. Um, but the universe kind of smacked me a year into selling Goldmine. So a year after I sold Goldmine, I got a head tumor and mm -hmm. I almost died. And in the process of, of uh, going through the health healing, I did some spiritual work as well. And it is there that I sort of came up with my my summary, my purpose of life, which I shared earlier, which is I think that we're on this planet to grow our souls by helping other people grow theirs. And the best way to grow is by being present with people who love you because they'll reflect your shit back at you. And if you're willing to look at your shit in life and work on it, that's how you grow as a human being. And so uh, I do my best to be present with anyone that I am with or near, even the people checking me out at the grocery store. So, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of times you're at the grocery store and you're on your cell phone, right? You're, you're not so cool. really present. You're not really with it. And I put my phone down and I actually give them the gift of my presence and, and a smile and, and maybe engage with them like a human being. And I think that I actually grow from that. I, I think that mm -hmm. when two human beings connect deeply even on a superficial level at the grocery checkout thing, that vibrations and magic happens. And that's mm -hmm. all you leave this planet with is the vibrations when you've been truly connected to other things in the universe. And those, and that's all you leave, those, those ripples behind. They're not going to ride on my grave, you know, made millions, built companies, blah, blah, blah. They're going to say beloved father, friend, husband, brother, whatever. And that's what your real purpose is in life. It's not about money, honey. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Wow, I love, love this. And you can, maybe you were talking about this and maybe you can share more about, you took uh, like 10 years break, right? So I'm yeah. coming back. So how did like, this is such a long sabbatical. So how did this actually uh, affected or influenced what you do as an entrepreneur? Like some, some changes that you noticed, observed in terms of coming back to the business environment? I I think I was a better human being mm -hmm. uh, because I uh, I really learned how to be more present and to value uh, relationships, and I think that that really informed what we built at Nimble. Nimble is mm -hmm. a relationship manager; it's not a CRM. CRM stands for customer reporting management, not relationship management. And it's relationships that'll help you achieve your dreams in life. You're not gonna do anything in this world by yourself. You are not responsible for your success. Your success is delivered to you by the, the people around you, the blessings that people gift wow. you with. And the, the more human you are, the more connected you are, the more real you are, the more you expose your heart and soul to others, the more that they will love you and lift you up and, and, and basically help you achieve the things that you want to do in life. And so, um, so basically the sabbatical really helped to polish me as a human being. Yeah, 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 I love this. This is so true. Everyone, I'm just reading people's comments. Everyone is in love with what you are sharing so far. And some of those like amazing comments. So thank you so much, John, for being so vulnerable and so open. So let's answer a few more questions from our live audience. And uh, so here is uh, a question from my friend Lori. And uh, so she asked, so she is uh, kind of just set the stage. So she is a small business owner. 
And uh, she said that most people who are really successful with their businesses have strong technical skills and who love doing sales, who love doing marketing. And uh, so her story is that she doesn't really enjoy doing sales and, uh, and technology doesn't come to her very easily. So if you have any tips for people like her who are passionate about doing their business but don't really have those strong sales skills or technology uh, skills. Ask her what kind of business she's doing. Uh, I think she's actually in social media, right, Laura, if I'm right? Okay. So, so my recommendation is to find somebody to do this with who mm -hmm. does love technology, marketing, and sales. So I just had lunch with this guy, uh, Larry Levine, and he wrote a book called Selling from the Heart. And, uh, and, and he, he was a copier salesman all his life until three years ago. And he, uh, he met a guy named Jim Keenan. He goes by Keenan these days. Uh, and Keenan is an author and a sales teacher. And he told Larry to write a book. And so Larry, Larry uh, had, uh, after that, met this guy who was really good at, 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 uh, at organizational and uh, things that Larry wasn't good at. And he partnered up with this guy. And by partnering up with this guy, he was able to then write the book and basically scale a practice where he's now teaching sales to companies like SAP and, uh, and Philip Morris and other companies like that. So if, if you're trying to build a business and you're not good with technology and you're not really like sales, you're not going to be too successful because you need to sell and you need to market. And so you're probably most business people are too busy doing whatever it took to get in business, stay in business for them to step outside their business and look at their problems and uh, find solutions and make shit happen. So you need to find people who are good at what you don't like to do. So you can do what you are that, we, that you love doing right so you if you love doing social media then find somebody to help you do the other things that you need to do to scale your practice yeah and even i'm just listening to your case you didn't even do much like code you did some code calling but you have such an amazing group of influencers who are endorsing what you do so maybe that is something like she's laura she's so good with building and cultivating relationships so maybe that is something you can think about just like based on what yeah but the thing is is that is that in all those cases, I was actively engaging. And while you wouldn't call it selling, it, it is storytelling and marketing. And I had the technology edge to all of it. And so she, I, I don't know if, if she doesn't like selling, how she's going to engage at scale mm -hmm. to, to make stuff happen. And so, yeah, you know, I, 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 you know, the thing is, is this, Life's lonely and, and it's always more fun and easier to do things That's together true. than it is by yourself. So any entrepreneur who's out there by themselves today, I, I strongly recommend that you consider partnering up with somebody because especially somebody who uh, you got, you both complement each other in your passions and skill sets. I'll give you an example. My co-founder of Goldmine, was the programmer, but he also was the finance guy. I, I'm, I, I don't really like finance and operations. He was the finance and operations and programmer. And I'm the one who basically envisioned the product and did the sales and marketing and the PR and ran the company on a daily basis. And together we complemented each other. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's such a great point. Yeah, you want to find someone who are kind of can complement with you and what you do, what mm -hmm. the things that you are no, not so good at. Yeah, yeah. I love this. I hope that is helpful, Lori. And uh, so here is uh, another question. And thank you, by the way, for sending all of those like amazing questions. And so here's a question from Jesse and asked if you have any suggestions for startup nonprofit organizations to find inexpensive CRM so they can it can grow into nimble. So I was just turning the light on because it's starting to get a little darker in the afternoon here. What was the question they're looking for? So for inexpensive CRI, and if you have any suggestions for startup companies, not profit, yeah, so, to find so, inexpensive CRM. So nimble actually is a CRM and it's fairly inexpensive at $25 per user per month. 
Um, and uh, for those listening that want to try Nimble, they can go to nimble.com and sign up. And it's free for the first two weeks. And you could use the code John40 to get 40% off the first uh, three months. Oh, awesome. I, I know, uh, Taylor, I don't know if you are still with us. So maybe you can enter the link in the comment section on different social media channels. So anyone, if you are interested, I'm using Nimbo. I love it. And uh, it is so much easier to organize my connections. So you guys, maybe you can uh, check it out. I have a kind of follow-up question, John. You you talked a lot about storytelling and being a good stories, uh, a storyteller. So can you please define what do you mean are there certain like benchmarks that we should be looking for in order to become a good storyteller? Or how do you evaluate a good story? What does a good story or storyteller mean to you? Well, I, I don't think people are ever gonna remember what you say, but they're gonna remember how you made them feel. So I think it's important to be able to communicate in a way that transfers energy, if you will. So. Um, so I don't know how to teach that, but I could tell you my first, uh, I took a, uh, like a speech, not a speech class, but like a presentation thing, like, oh God, what do they call that? The, um, a speed uh, reading or no, 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 no. There's like a speech, uh, thing. There's a Toastmaster. Toastmaster. Yeah. Wasn't Toastmaster, but it was like a th two day workshop on a weekend. That's like Toastmasters. And I'll tell you what, the first time I ever had to present as a business person, as a, I started out as a systems engineer and then moved into sales. I had to present into this boardroom and I, and I started to uh, actually like uh, fog up in my eyes where I just felt a little dizzy and I started to tear up because I was just getting mm -hmm. like emotional. And, uh, and then I took this, this speaking class and I developed a little bit of skill where I was able to more effectively communicate, but it's something that you develop over time, the ability to communicate effectively. Um, mm. And it's like playing an instrument, right? The first time you pick up a guitar, you're not gonna sound so good, but if you practice and do it regularly, then you get better at it. And, um, and I think that, uh, you know, I don't have any sage advice on how to be uh, a great storyteller, except for, speak from your heart right i know uh, i think that's and, the best advice you're to give us and, you know yeah and, and and the other part is uh i like to tell analogies like I'll, I'll give you an example of a story that i tell um so i have different things i've created like the three p's passion plan and purpose i shared earlier i also have this thing called the five e's of social business and this is how to basically build your brand and grow your network so you educate, enchant, engage, embrace, and impact to empower your customers. What does that oh, mean? Say that again. You, say that again. Educate, educate, uh, in, in, enchant, engage, embrace, and empower. Wow. So you educate with the intent to help other people grow. You engage um, with the, uh, you educate with enchanting content, and then you engage the people that respond and in order to and then you embrace them with the intent to empower and grow them and so those are my five e's and then i have five f's so basically oh, i, I think this. that people people connect on the commonalities of life do you see the pictures behind me when i used to teach salespeople, i used to teach them when you go in somebody's office look at their walls look at the books they read the degree of the school they went to the knickknacks they collect you do that in order to figure out what you share in common and you share that with that person in order to develop the intimacy and trust you in order to get them to open up to you about their business issues, which is a profession you can then solve. So we connect on the five Fs of life, family, friend, food, fun, and fellowship. So these are the things that you share in common that are beyond the business persona. So my LinkedIn is like walking in my lobby. You're gonna basically get my business persona. But if you really wanna connect with me in a personal deep way, we'll actually remember with each other, then we need to connect to the commonality of life. Maybe the fact that I like to do barbecue or backpack or that I like football or uh, you know whatever things, astronomy, photography. And so I think that too many people think that a LinkedIn connection is actually a connection, but it's not. You need to take those LinkedIn connections and move them into places like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter where you actually get to know those people and build uh, connections on those commonalities. And so I try to tell stories Instead of basically saying, like, for instance, I was going to teach you about how to engage in social media, I wouldn't basically teach you specifically about how to engage in social media. I tell you a story about that. Mm -hmm. So here's a story about engaging in social media. 
Social media is like a cocktail party. You don't walk into a business function and go, hey, anybody want to buy some CRM? No, you don't do that. You, you walk into a business function and you look around and you look for uh, an individual or a group of people you might want to connect with. And then you walk up to those that group and you stand adjacent and you listen to the conversation and you find a, a point or a place to add value. And then you add value to the conversation. And then they're going to turn around and go, John, wow, that was really interesting. What do you do? And you go, well, actually, you know, I'm, uh, I, I, build, I build software relationship management systems. Oh, really? Tell me more. And then you're in a conversation with these people. Then when new people walk in the room, they see you standing next to those thought leaders and influencers. And guess what? You become one of them. And so that is the way to make magic in social media is to not go out there and shout about how great you are is you need to basically thoughtfully listen and then engage in conversations, add value to those conversations, and eventually you become part of that group, if you will. And so these are examples of stories that I tell in order to communicate ideas. And I don't know how I do it. I just, I just sort of, it, I, I think you just have very high, I think you have very high EQ. And I think, you know, just listening to you talk, you know, very like intuitive, high EQ, have very good understanding of who you are. I think all those soft skills have definitely helped you. And I think someone missed the five F. Can you kind of slowly repeat the five F? Sure. Yeah. Five Fs. Uh, <laughs> the five Fs of connecting with other human beings is you connect on the areas of commonality. And those areas of commonality include uh, family, friend, food, fun, and fellowship. So you connect because you both have kids. You connect because you share uh, common friends. You connect because you share common food passions. You care. You connect because you uh, share common things you like to do, hobbies, fun. You connect because you share commonalities in fellowship or faith or um, uh, et cetera. And so these are the things that you build the intimate sort of softer connections and those softer connections will be the way people remember you. They won't remember you because you uh, know so much about copiers or that you sold them something at a good price, but they remember you because you both have kids that go to the same school or that you both loved uh, backpack in Yosemite or that you both like to make vegan food or whatever it, you know, whatever you both knit or you both like in, uh, ancestry or whatever it is. Mm, I love this. So true. Actually, I think uh, one question here, we're actually just wrapping up here, everyone. If you have any last minute question, please feel free to ask. So here is actually a question from, I think, Tay. And he asked uh, if LinkedIn in particular has helped you to grow and scale your business. I think you kind of mentioned that already, John, like, you know, a connection is connection. You really have to take the time to bring that connection to other social media platforms to get to know this person, to nurture that relationship from LinkedIn. Yeah, I, I, I find LinkedIn's like my business lobby. And, and, you know, if somebody walks in my business lobby and uh, it wants to hand me a brochure or sell me something, it's sort of, it feels cold, right? And in so many cases on LinkedIn, that happens a lot, right? People connect and then they try to sell you something. And uh, whereas in Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, it's more soft, it's mm. more it's more uh, real and relevant. Now, I'm not discounting LinkedIn because LinkedIn is, is the professional network of the world. And it's I think that you need to have an exchange of business cards, right? So, you know, you, you exchange your business card and then you build that connection, but then you need to take that person to, uh, to dinner, to lunch, to a baseball game, to, you know, to, to build that softer connection. And so a chair has at least three legs, most have four or more. And so for me, LinkedIn is like one leg of my chair of relationships. Mm -hmm. And uh, so in many cases, relationships might start in a soft place like Twitter where we make this sort of connection. And then I take that relationship to LinkedIn and, and make that connection. And then I take it to email and calendar where we then maybe do a face-to-face -face, uh, go to meeting thing. And I always turn my camera on because people connect through the eyes and the face. And then I take that relationship, not every relationship, I don't take every relationship to Facebook and, and Instagram, but the ones that I, I, I connect with people where I feel a connection where I'd actually want to get to know them better. Uh, then I take those relationships there. And I'll give you an example. There's an executive at Microsoft that was instrumental in our success. 
And I did constantly email him to stay in contact with him. We connected on our commonality that we both love pugs. He has a pug, I have pugs. And we basically, he has, he posts them on Instagram and I'd connect and comment. And, and so the next time I saw him at a major conference, it's like we were connected already. We, 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 I didn't have to reconnect with him. We were already sort of, there was a bond there. And that bond wasn't our business connection or the fact that, that Microsoft's our global reseller with Nimble as a simple term for office. It was that we had a human bond over things we love. And that bond will empower the business side of things, but also transcend the business side of things. Wow. I love this. This is such a such a great story. It makes so much sense. You know, we connect so well with other people, not just at the business level, but at the emotional level. And mm. uh, so, yeah, this I definitely want to respect your time. And I think we still have some questions. We will save it for later. And thank you so much for being such an amazing guest. So, final quick question for you: Where do you see Ningbo in the next five years? Share with us. So I think that Nimble is uh, is really beyond CRM. I think that every person in this world, their brand and their network are their net worth and that they don't really do a good job of managing the network that they're building and that everybody needs a personal CRM. They need a re personal relationship manager. And that opportunity is bigger than CRM. Today, there's 225 million global businesses, less than 1% use any CRM. And I see that Nimble is a relationship manager for the rest of us because most people buy a CRM because they want to command and control their sales reps. But few people get a CRM to manage their relationships in order to achieve their dreams in life. And that's what Nimble is, is a personal relationship manager for yourself or for your team because most companies, they may have a CRM, but they don't really have a team relationship manager. So officers five and G Suite aren't good team contact managers because every single contact database for your team, for each team member is a separate contact database. And what every company needs is a central record of the relationships that everybody in the company across all departments are having in sales, marketing, customer service, accounting. And each of those departments has siloed contacts in every single department. And so the blue ocean opportunity that we want to achieve is, is everybody's personal CRM and a team relationship manager for business that can even work with the existing CRMs. And the way that we're going to do that is by partnering with Microsoft and getting nimble to 50 million plus users around the world. And that's my dream. But the purpose, because I think there has to be a purpose for a product. The purpose is to power people's dreams by empowering them to power other people's dreams. And and if uh, and and that's a philosophy shift from the bagamatagum enterprise uh, oracle uh, sales rep thing, where people are a number and it's all about that person's commission. And I think that social media has transformed the way we work, play, Absolutely. buy, and sell. That it's increasing the transparency expectations that we have of each other and the companies, and it's transforming the world back into a small village where your reputation was built on the promise you make and the experience that you deliver. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think that the philosophy behind Nimble is about people, it's about relationships, and it's about empowering others. And by doing so, you grow and you achieve your dreams because the more people you help achieve their dreams, the more of your dreams that you will achieve. And that's where I see Nimble in five years is powering people's dreams around the world which is empowering them to power other people's dreams. Oh my God, I have goosebumps. I love this. This is so powerful. I also love how you mentioned every product has to have a purpose, right? So, yeah. so I think if we are thinking about trying to grow and scale our business and the bigger the problem we're trying to solve, the bigger the purpose and the more impact and income that we're going to generate. So I really love how you mentioned. So in the future, instead of Googling my personal connections names, I can just nimble search. Those I names. love you. You nimble them. It nimbles a verb. <laughs> I love Xerox became a verb. And when you when your product becomes a verb, then you know you've done okay. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Oh my God. It's such a great way to, you know, I think that's that should be all of our purpose, you know. All of my and, my my try everyone's like small business, you know, and, make and I actually product. have a philosophy. It's called the nimble way. 
And, and that gets down to the, the heart of the purpose of our product is, is, is to basically empower people to reach their dreams by helping other people reach theirs. And it's the nimble way. And I have to write a book about that. All right. You know what? Once that book is published, you need to come back on my show again. I can't wait to learn more about that. Yeah. So where, finally, where can people learn more about you? Social media handle. It seems like you are everywhere. So I encourage everybody listening to this today to Google themselves because your customers, your prospects, the influencers you connect to are going to Google you. And if you don't show up on the first page, your identities, then you need to work on that. If you Google me, J-O-N-F-E-R-A-R-A, you'll find all my identities. Connect with me on the channel that you want, that, 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 that is good for you, but I'll make it super simple. My email is J-O-N at nimble.com. Let me know how I can help you achieve your dreams tomorrow, today. Oh my God, such an incredible interview. I got, wow, I almost want to cry. So thank you for being so compassionate. I don't always use that word to describe my guests, but you are just so caring, so compassionate. So I really appreciate that, John. Thank you so much for spending an hour with us. And everyone in the live audience, what an amazing interview this is. So if you really enjoy this, share this with your friends so everyone can feel this you know, transformation and bring their business and a personal, even personal brand to a new level. So next Wednesday, the same time, same location, I have my dear friend, Mary Henderson, who is a LinkedIn super, super, super star based in Australia. So she's going to get up early, at, I think it was 6 or 7 a.m. Australia time to join us live. So if you really want to learn how to really uh, leverage the power of LinkedIn to grow your business, join us next Wednesday, the same time, same location. And I appreciate you guys. And thank you so much again, Joel. You are thank amazing. You, and everyone from the live audience, I appreciate you guys and thank you for joining us from all over the globe. See you guys next Wednesday. Bye. Adios.